Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. Those steps seem steeper than I remember them from the last time. Uh, sometimes the years are catching up with us a little bit, and uh, we do go back a ways in some cases, and I, I've seen some uh, familiar faces, but it's uh, always a pleasure uh, to be able to be here and share with you uh, what the Lord would have laid on my heart. Uh, I thought he was laying on my heart for my congregation, but turns out it was for yours. Um, but I, I'm sorry that it's under these uh, circumstances, and uh, our prayers are certainly with uh, the Solomon family, and we hope that they will be able to uh, be back with you again soon. Also, um, we come this evening with heavy hearts uh, for some of the events that have taken place this past week. Uh, our hearts go out to the families of the servicemen killed and to those who were uh, wounded uh, in the suicide attack against them as they were trying to assist uh, getting American citizens and those who assisted us out of Afghanistan. Uh, there are also believers ministering in that nation whose lives are in severe danger. Uh, and we pray for all of the believers uh, in that nation. Essentially, there's an uh, underground church, and there are, are people ministering, but certainly uh, in the environment of the Taliban, it will be much more difficult. And we also pray that our leaders uh, will make wise decisions uh, as we try to get all of the Americans and those who helped us out of Afghanistan safely. And I believe that as a result of these events, our nation and Israel are more vulnerable to our, enemy, uh, our enemies uh, as a result of our nation's withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, but on the other hand, we uh, don't have to worry about the world uh, seeming like a more dangerous place because we, have served the, we serve the one who has overcome the world. He tells us we will have trial and tribulation. But he also tells us to be courageous uh, because he has overcome the world. It is said that nature does not like a vacuum. A power vacuum in Afghanistan will be filled by someone, and likely they won't be friendly to us or Israel, which just means we need the Lord's protection now more than ever. Let us just pray at this time. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Lord, uh, we thank you that we can come before you 
for this weekly divine appointment of the Shabbat, Lord, uh, as we seek to not only enter into your rest, but Lord, uh, we seek fresh revelation from you uh, for the challenges that we may face in the days ahead. And I just pray that you would reveal your truths through your word, uh, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. My rock and my redeemer, ask it in Yeshua's name. Amen. Well, I uh, normally uh, carry my Bible with me, but I forgot. But I, of course, this is how most of us look at the Bible these days anyway, right? Uh, you can turn to Devarim, Deuteronomy chapter 29 uh, from this week's portion. Uh, this chapter begins, And Moses called unto all Israel and said unto them, You all have seen what the Lord did in the land of Egypt unto Pharaoh, and unto all his servants, and unto all his land, the signs and the great wonders. But the Lord has not given you a heart to know, and eyes to see, and ears to hear unto this day. As the Israelites are making their final preparations to enter the land, virtually all of those who had actually seen the signs and wonders as they left Egypt have uh, died off during the, the 40 years in the wilderness. But the Lord is saying to Israel as a people, to the community as a whole, that you have seen the Lord's miraculous power, and certainly they would have heard about it, yet it's all too easy to forget about how powerful the Lord is and focus on our own trials and tribulations. According to the passage, even though they have seen or heard about these miracles, they have not fully understood what the Lord is doing in their midst, because he has not given them a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. Similarly, we have seen the greatest miracle of the last 1,800 years. Now, some of us may have just heard about it. My parents were alive uh, when in 1948, the nation of Israel was reestablished against all odds, against all human expectations at that time, yet in fulfillment of numerous prophecies. It is all too easy to lose sight of the miracle with the challenges we face in the world today, a pandemic that impacts virtually every aspect of our lives, a country pulling apart as our media and political leaders demonize those who disagree with them, our constant state of being in a war against terrorism, and in the midst of all that, seeking to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, as our culture seeks to indoctrinate them with the world's views. Then there are the universal challenges we face, providing for the needs of our families, dealing with conflict in relationships. But despite all of this, I pray that we will have a heart to know the Lord, that we will have eyes to see what he has done and what he is doing in our lives and in our world, and ears to hear what he is saying to us that we might live in accordance with his will. And that is why the eternal truths of God are more important than ever. Uh, I kind of, as I evaluate what's been going on in our world, particularly with the pandemic, I want to come and say to my congregation, some sort of 
amazing insight or amazing revelation or um, some instruction as to how to deal with the challenges we face. But the reality is I've concluded this is how to deal with the reality we face. And I'm not talking about the cell phone or the smartphone. I'm talking about the scriptures, God's revelation from on high, his eternal truths. The world and the adversary are trying to get us to buy into their lies. But we have the written revelation of God to give us truth for the challenges we are facing. I feel like we all too often take this blessing for granted. Uh, you know, I, I try to picture the time of Yeshua, and would these guys have been walking around with a scroll under their arm that they could have pulled out and said, you know, hey, here's what it says in Yeshayahu or Yirmiyahu, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Um, the reality is that they uh, knew the revelation, they knew the word, they knew the Torah, they knew the prophets. As you read through the New Covenant Scriptures, the Brit Kadashah, it says over and over, this was done to fulfill. They would ask questions based on their existing knowledge, and yet um, frequently we are all together unaware, particularly um, our Jewish people. I know growing up, the, the Scriptures uh, were something that I didn't really see as meaningful or important. And um, it is a uh, 180-degree change in my life uh, when I came to understand that this was a revelation from on high. I mean, I didn't believe in God, let alone the Scripture. So, uh, you know, it, it, it was um, after my bar mitzvah, my Jewish identity uh, wasn't really meaningful. I didn't understand how, it, you know, it only seemed to uh, be something that put me in the minority and, and that uh, created challenges in, in my own lives. I mean, I went to the, the weddings and the bar mitzvahs in the family, but nobody in the family were living out a Jewish identity in any meaningful way. Uh, and it is easy to try to uh, fit in and to go along, to get along, but we're called to stand out. We're called to stand up for God's truths. Uh, we, we are going to face times of trial and tribulation, but if we keep sight of the miracle, even as we're going through the struggle, we uh, can reflect on these uh, ultimate truths of the Lord when things aren't going well. Um, you know, I, I have to stop and point out for a minute um, I, we lived in Atlanta until 1997, but you people have a lot of cars in this town, I just got to tell you. Um, and it used to be that the roads got wider and wider, and that made things easier, um, but now they have construction everywhere, and that takes care of that problem. But, but the reality is these are the challenges we face every day, and, and it's easy to get caught up in those challenges but we have to reflect on what God has done for us because every one of us that is a follower of Messiah has received a gift that cannot be purchased by human effort or by human riches. Uh, it was provided by the sacrifice of uh, Messiah Yeshua, by the grace of our Creator and Heavenly Father. I trust uh, as we listen to uh, revelation from His Word, that that is what will provide truth uh, because uh, it was provided long ago to Moses on Mount Sinai. But the scriptures tell us that the word of God will stand forever. The grass may wither, the flower may fade, 
but it's the word of God that's going to stand forever. And what we realize as we read the revelation, one of the first things that comes, comes through is who's in charge. And it's not me. And it's not you. But he's in charge. He's got it all under control. Because in 1948, as I mentioned, it did not seem possible that the land uh, could be reestablished as a homeland for the, the Jewish people. To the point that um, those who read those scriptures had to come up with a different explanation. And of course, uh, the adversary uh, used that misunderstanding to create the concept known as replacement theology, where all the promises that were made, excuse me, to the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would now belong to the church. But the good news was they left the curses for us. Uh, in, in most of the uh, approaches to that theology, uh, which you know, seems kind of uh, unfortunate. And the reality is that God proved that he is the miracle-working God, uh, that he could perform the greatest miracle of the last 1,800 years, that, that so many prophecies pointed to, but it seemed impossible. The Jewish people had been scattered throughout the world. Um, and persecuted everywhere, uh, most of the places that we had ended up. And the land had become wasteland and swampland. And so you can't really blame people before 1948 from having to get the, uh, creative in their theological interpretations of the scripture. But we know that our God is in control. Uh, we used to sing when we were younger. We've dismissed all the young people. So um, those are who are slightly older, do they still sing he's got the whole world in, in his hands? Uh, I mean, I'm sure some of us remember that from our youth, and I'm probably dating myself a little bit. But the reality is that was just presenting this truth in such a simple way. If he's in charge, then I don't have to figure it out. Because that's where I was uh, after I had my bar mitzvah and decided, okay, that was my last uh, probably trip to, the, uh, to a service at the synagogue. I was like, okay, now we're going to go live in, in the real world. And, and world peace has to be right around the corner with all the uh, amazing uh, inventions we have. Uh, what we have? Uh, adding machines instead of having to do it on a slide rule? I'm dating myself again. Okay. And yet computers and all those other inventions would come along and still world peace is more elusive now than it has ever been. Uh, we can't even get along in our, in our own nation uh, as the world uh, seems to invite us to hate. But we are able to do things a different way, a more excellent way. When the world says to hate, we can show love. We also find uh, revelation in the scriptures that we are in rebellion against our creator. Believe me, that was a shock to me. That there is no man who is righteous, according to Psalm 14, verse 3. No, not one. All we like the sheep have turned astray, it says in Isaiah 53, verse 5. Now, y'all are probably familiar with that verse. But as a Jewish kid growing up, we didn't talk about Isaiah 53. It's not read in the synagogues. You know, um, We've uh, been going, uh, uh, we read earlier for the Haftarah portion, Yeshiahu, Isaiah chapter 60. And this is actually the sixth in a series of seven um, Haftarot that we read following uh, the ninth of Av, the day when we remember the destruction uh, of both of the temples and numerous other cal uh, calamities uh, that have happened to our Jewish people. And so we start 
prior to that uh, day with um, three haftarot of affliction. Uh, as the rabbis choose haftarah portions that uh, remind us that um, if we were disobedient, we might find ourselves uh, kicked out of the land. We, we, we might uh, find these tragedies taking place uh, in, in our lives. And, but then they follow that with seven haftarot of consolation because anytime we read in the scriptures and we find these words that could easily cause us to um, be discouraged or to see the Jewish people uh, as forsaken, all we have to do is keep reading because he follows those words with words of consolation. Uh, you know, and last week's um, Haftarah, I don't know if you remember it, but it was Isaiah chapter um, 54. Now, I need to ask you a question. Does anybody know what chapter comes before Isaiah 54? Isaiah 53, the ultimate words of consolation that our Jewish people just skip right over, the provision of the, the suffering servant. And I know I was in college, uh, and uh, somebody shared with me Isaiah 53, and he read from it. And I was like, that may be how it reads in the Christian Bible, but I am certain that that is going to read differently in my Jewish Bible. Uh, so I went up to my room, um, looked in the Bible, and it read virtually the same way, um, really exactly the same way. And, and I was shocked at this uh, account of one who would come and suffer, uh, whom by his stripes uh, we are healed, and that he would be uh, an asham, a guilt offering, and that uh, his days would be prolonged, uh, and it all seemed to, to fit Yeshua. And so uh, in 1975, uh, I came to see that Yeshua was, was indeed the promised Jewish Messiah for Israel and for all those who would call upon his name. And in the, okay, I got to do some math quick, about 45 years or so uh, since then, uh, 46, whatever, Every, every, everything that has happened has only caused me to be more convinced uh, that the Lord had revealed truth to me on that day. And everything I read in the scriptures just reinforces that. And the other thing I found out in the scripture is that I can't be righteous by my own efforts. That was a relief. I didn't have to try to be good enough for God because I couldn't from the beginning. The only righteousness we have is with the righteousness of God being seen in us through the sacrifice of Messiah Yeshua. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made this sinless man to be a sin offering on our behalf so that in union with him, we might fully share in God's righteousness. So we are in this season of Teshuvah, another tradition where in the 40 days prior to Yom Kippur, beginning with uh, the first day of the sixth month on the Hebrew calendar, the month of Elul, we search our hearts, we look within, uh, and as a people, we try to get right before the holiest day of the year, to get right with our Creator. Uh, and as we look within, you know, we realize we, we need to make teshuvah. Uh, we need to repent because we've acted unjustly towards others. We've rebelled against the ways of our Creator. The Jewish people see the Torah as containing 613 commandments or mitzvot. In Deuteronomy, uh, as we've been going through it, we have seen that uh, the book of Deuteronomy really fits a, a pattern of a treaty of that time called a suzerainty treaty, uh, which 
uh, had the idea that a conquering king or a suzerain would provide requirements for the people that he had conquered, and that was uh, what they needed to do to be able to experience his blessing and his protection. And so, um, I sound good. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I was wondering who you were listening to. I'm like, oh, that guy sounds pretty good. It was me. Um, <clears throat> I had to slow down just long enough to listen and gather my thought. Conquering king, that's the creator of the universe. That's our God. The subjects who have to decide what they need to do to receive his blessing and his protection, that's the nation of Israel. And by extension, that is us. Uh, it, the um, treaty starts out with a preamble. It also has a historical prologue where the Lord lays out everything that he has uh, done for our people historically. You can take a look as you read through Deuteronomy and then come stipulations, the requirements. And in this week's Torah portion, we find the last of the stipulations as well as another section found in the, uh, this type of treaty called the blessings and the cursings. Blessings for obeying the terms of the treaty and curses for violating them. This week's Torah portion is called Kitavo and goes from Deuteronomy 26, verse 1 through chapter 29, verse 8. Kitavo means when you come, because Moses is telling the Israelites that when they come into the promised land and begin to experience its blessings, they're to remember that it is the Lord that has brought them into the land. As soon as they harvest their crops, they're to bring the first fruits of the ground to the priest, to the Kohen. For most of the Israelites, the challenges of wilderness life has been all that they have known up to this point. But these instructions offered the hope that they would enter the land promised to their forefathers. You know, we bring a message of hope. We're living in challenging times, but we bring a message of hope. We can bring words of encouragement. We can bring in an eternal perspective that says that this world isn't all there is, but you can get right with your creator. And then it doesn't matter what happens in this world because we know that we have the blessing. We have the hope of the promised land. We have the hope of spending eternity in the presence of our creator. Daniel 12, verse 2 says of those who have died, some shall awake, uh, they shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to reproaches and everlasting abhorrence. The Jewish scriptures suggest that there is a resurrection and that there is a judgment that follows this resurrection. And there's a good result and a bad result. In Deuteronomy 26, verse 12, we read of the, the tithe, uh, ma'aser in the Hebrew, which means the tenth. The Israelite tithes to acknowledge the Lord is the source of the harvest blessing. He's to rejoice, uh, to rejoice, daughter of Zion, for the good that the Lord has done for him, his family, the Levite, and the sojourner, uh, the one from the nations that is dwelling in their midst and is treated as part of the community. Our messianic movement uh, in our messianic synagogues, we have Jewish people, uh, physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we have the sojourners in our midst, those who have been willing to, to pitch their tent uh, with the Jewish people, um, those who uh, are seen as an important part of the community. Most messianic synagogues uh, wouldn't exist without those who have been willing uh, to face similar challenges to what we face. Yes, our people don't uh, react in a very positive way when we uh, present 
our belief that Yeshua is the promised Jewish Messiah spoken of uh, in numerous prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures. But the reality is the sojourner is frequently seen as an outcast by their people. Um, you know, they question, why are you doing this Jewish thing? Why are you going to a Jewish synagogue? Why are you going back uh, under the Torah? And they don't understand that they too are actually part of the nation of Israel because according to Paul, Rav Shaul in Romans 9.4, all of the covenants belong to the Jewish people. And so the only covenant, even the new covenant, uh, through which um, the sojourner enters into the same uh, walk of faith to accept the sacrifice of Messiah Yeshua on their behalf and to be forgiven of their sins and restored in their relationship with the creator of the universe uh, comes through a covenant that was made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, according to uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 30 or 31, depending on the translation. Not only do we bring the tithe, but also then we acknowledge the history that the blessing hasn't just come because of what I have done, but even my ancestors. Uh, I acknowledge that um, it starts with Jacob bringing his family to Egypt, and the Lord delivers them out of slavery, uh, as many of us have been delivered out of our bondage uh, to sin through the sacrifice of Messiah Yeshua. And then he brought them into the land that he had promised them, described in uh, Deuteronomy 26, verse 9, as a land flowing with milk and honey. And then uh, in the passage that we read earlier, Deuteronomy 26, beginning in verse 16, the Israelite is told to keep and do the Lord's commandments with all of his heart and all of his soul. And in turn, the Lord declares that the Israelites will be la'am segula, or actually lo la'am segula, to him, his treasured people. In Deuteronomy 26, verse 19, the Lord says he will raise his people high above all the nations in praise, reputation, and glory, something that we are beginning to see with the reestablishment of the nation of Israel, with the messianic movement and the message that we bring to the body of believers. Our people Israel, frequently the world condemns them, but they are a blessing in many ways. The only democratic nation in the Middle East and always ready to help others, uh, even offering aid to enemies as hostile as Iran after natural disasters. In Deuteronomy 27, the last of the stipulations tells the Israelites to make an altar of uncut stones uh, in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 27 as a place of sacrifice to the Lord. Uncut stones are to signify that human beings are not to try and improve upon what God has created. And we find this uh, as well in terms of the revelation that he has provided. Throughout the scriptures, we're not to try and improve upon his instructions by adding to or taking away from any of it, uh, as we find in Deuteronomy 4, verse 2, and Deuteronomy 13, verse 1. And I believe many violate this prohibition when they approach the Lord's instructions with a pick-and-choose mentality. Yeshua himself says in Matthew 5, verse 19, whoever disobeys the least of the commandments and teaches other to do so will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Earlier in the passage, Yeshua, Yeshua oh, I'm sorry, he also says, whoever obeys them and so teaches uh, others will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 
And earlier, Yeshua said he did not come to do away with the Torah or the Nevi'im, the law or the prophets, but he came to fulfill. Uh, and in uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, he describes Yeshua as the fulfillment of Psalm 118, verse 22. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Peter also encourages us by quoting Isaiah 28, verse 16, saying, He who puts his trust in the cornerstone will not be humiliated. Getting back to the Torah portion, according to Deuteronomy 27, uh, starting in verse 11, we find the blessings for obedience and the curses for disobedience are to be proclaimed uh, in this elaborate ceremony with two mountains uh, and the tribe split in half, uh, six on each mountain. Now, many believers are quick to claim the blessings that will follow as belonging to them and pretty much ignore the curses as though they only apply to others. But we have to read the word of God in context for what he would reveal to us. The Levites start out, this is interesting, they start out by pronouncing curses. And these are individual curses where the people say amen after each of the curses. And we don't have time or else I'd run through them and you could have the fun of saying amen to the curses. But they're mostly for individual actions that violate boundaries and relationships that God has established in his sovereignty, which serve to avoid breaking down the fundamental building block of the community, the family. Uh, and we have to realize the family is under assault today in many different ways, uh, certainly culturally, uh, in, in the cultures around the world. The final curse is found in Deuteronomy 27, verse 26, which says, A curse on anyone who does not confirm the words of the Torah by putting them into practice. In other words, it wasn't just about hearing. It wasn't about talking a good game. They were to live out the truths that they had been uh, that had been revealed to them. Yaakov James tells us in chapter 1 verse 22, be doers not just hearers of the word. And uh, sometimes we uh, realize that there's blessing in obedience, but the ultimate blessing comes from a desire to please God, doing what he hasn't instructed us to do based on our trusting that his instructions are tied to what is best for us, that he has um, the eternal perspective and he knows each one of us. He, he knows the hairs on our head. He knows everything that is going on uh, in our lives. I don't know how he does it, but he does um, because I have seen his power in my own life. I have seen his power in the lives of our Jewish people. And so um, he wants us to serve him, uh, not just out of a, a feeling of obligation, but also in an even greater way, out of, out of a love for him. Yeshua said in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 28, we find a description of the blessings that will come to the nation. And these are corporate blessings uh, through their obedience. Uh, the, 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 these are addressed to the nation of Israel, not uh, the individuals, as we just saw earlier, for the curses. Uh, but it is followed by corporate curses for their disobedience. Uh, init, uh, essentially, the Lord is using kind of a carrot and stick approach. Do they still use that expression by any chance? Um, <clears throat> well, I'll tell you what. Uh, how many of you like carrots? How many of you like carrot cake? All right, we're doing better with that. That's the good stuff. 
That's the positive motivation. And the stick symbolizes the bad stuff, the negative motivation. The carrot is that the Israelites would be fruitful in their offspring, their crops, even their animals. They would be victorious over their enemies. They would have the rain that they needed for their crops. But the stick would result in the opposite results in these same areas. Instead of victory over your enemies, you will serve your enemies. Instead of health, you will have plagues and chronic sicknesses. Instead of increasing in size, your numbers will decrease. And instead of living in peace in the land, you will be scattered throughout the earth, and your lot will be fear, oppression, and slavery. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, Moses reminds the people of the signs and wonders that they had seen as the Lord had delivered them out of slavery in Egypt. Yet as we talked about earlier, Deuteronomy 29 verse 3 tells them that they are unable to see all that the Lord is doing. Uh, they're unable to uh, appreciate all that he has done for, the, for him. Uh, we would suspect that they might even be ungrateful. And we have to ask ourselves, do we take for granted the many blessings that we enjoy? I try to remember every time I get in my car to ask the Lord to get me safely to wherever I'm going and to thank him for getting me safely when he does. And believe me, I, it, it was a double portion today. Uh, it, it was kind of wild out there. I haven't done Friday afternoon rush hour in Atlanta in a long time. Um, <clears throat> but it's so easy to take for granted the gift of salvation. Uh, where he paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could not pay. And so um, it's easy to take for granted, um, you know, the good times in our lives because as we deal with the struggles that we tend to face every day. And so that's why we need to spend time in the word. That's why we need to spend time in prayer. That's why he wants us to have an intimate fellow, have intimate fellowship with him. You know, we sang earlier, Roni, Roni, Batsion, rejoice, rejoice, daughter of Zion. Batsion is, is kind of an affectionate name for the children of Israel, for Jerusalem, uh, the daughter of Jerusalem. Uh, it, it, it's uh, significance is that, that the Lord is using uh, these familiar terms, and that's how he relates to us, such a tremendous blessing. Um, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we're supposed to give thanks in all things, but it's much more easy, like the Israelites, to whine and complain instead. Um, at least for myself, I, I, I'm speaking here. You can decide whether it applies to you or not. It's all too easy to focus on our struggles in the world and forget about the Lord's blessings in our lives. Perhaps we need something to help us to remember. This is one of the reasons the Lord has established his appointed times, to remind us of the Lord's faithfulness to his people. Rabbi Robert Solomon used to always say, you're not here by chance. You're here by divine appointment. Does Rabbi Kevin ever say that? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'll take by the smile. That was a yes. I didn't see any heads nod. But, but <clears throat> one reason I can barely see. Anyway, uh, he's a stamp, and, and, and it's great to have these lights because that means that this uh, message and the ministry of this congregation is going out to all the world. This has been an amazing blessing uh, to the city of Atlanta for a number of years. I was here when we dedicated the ground um, for this building and when we dedicated the ground for the Family Life Center. Uh, and we used to have Friday night services next to um, Domino's on Buford Highway. And if uh, Robert, Rabbi Robert went too long, you started to smell that pizza wafting through. And, <laughs> 
started to suggest maybe it was time to wrap up. That might be true for me too. Um, <clears throat> except I want to talk about these divine appointments. We have the weekly divine appointment of the Sabbath in Leviticus 23, verse 3. One day each week when we're to come together and zachor, remember him as creator. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember that he sent a deliverer to free us from, uh, free our Jewish people when we were enslaved in Egypt. And he also sent Messiah Yeshua to free us from the bondage of this world and from the bondage of our uh, fleshly desires and from the bondage of sin. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's also specified seven, <coughs> seven times throughout the year when his people are to come together at different times, such as the upcoming uh, Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets. Rosh Hashanah. He's instructed his people that on this day, the day of the seventh new moon, uh, in Leviticus 23, verse 24, they're to have a zikron to ruah, a memorial blast of the trumpet, to help them to remember his blessings, to reflect on all that he has done uh, for them. Uh, as we, uh, as a community, uh, the Jewish people will be doing one week from Monday night. Now, I want to talk briefly about the sixth of the seven haftarot, uh, of consolation. Uh, tonight, Isaiah, Yeshayahu, chapter 60. Uh, the Lord says in verse 2 that this is a time when darkness is covering the earth. That might even be applicable to what is going on in our world today. But it tells us that the light is coming. Uh, Isaiah 60 starts out, arise and shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen over you. And verse 3 says, the goyim, those from the nations, the Gentiles will walk in your light. They're kings to the brightness of your shining splendor. And Isaiah then describes the return of the Jewish people to the land. In Isaiah 60 verse 4, your sons are coming from far off. Your daughters being, are being nursed at your side. In verse 10 it says, sons of foreigners will rebuild your walls. Their kings will be at your service. For in my anger I chastised you, but in my mercy I have shown you favor. Once again, these are the keep reading verses. Uh, as as um, we uh, frequently find out that uh, Israel is judged for their uh, waywardness, uh, frequently described in terms of a, of a husband and a wife. Uh, and, and Israel is being described, our Jewish people are described as the wayward wife. But if we keep reading... Our loving husband stands ready to take us back. Uh, and, and if he can forgive the sins of Israel, which is rejecting him and turning uh, to idols that they've made with their own hands and, and that uh, the other nations worship, um, he can forgive any sin that you have committed or that I have committed. Uh, it, because the enemy uh, would have us to feel condemned. But the reality is God wants intimate fellowship. And the only way he can have intimate fellowship is our sins have to be forgiven. And that was accomplished by a perfect sacrifice on our behalf by Messiah Yeshua. Verses 14 through 16 say, The children of those who oppress you, I think we read this earlier, will come and bow low before you. All who despise you will fall at your feet, calling you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Once you were abandoned and hated, but you will be the pride of the ages. And you will know that I am your Messiah, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. And while today we're seeing these verses fulfilled, we also realize for uh, a long time 
there was a question as to what these verses could really mean. The Jewish people were scattered, uh, and, and it didn't seem like their restoration was possible despite all the verses that said it would happen. And as I mentioned earlier, the land of milk and honey had become a wasteland and a swamp. But we are seeing Isaiah 35, verse 1, fulfilled in our day. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. And the people have been restored. The nation was reborn on May 14, 1948. Jerusalem, our eternal capital, came back into Jewish hands in 1967. And just a couple of years ago, it was recognized uh, as the capital city of the Jewish people once again as we moved our embassy there. The Haftarah portion closes out saying uh, in the final two verses, all your people will be righteous ones. They will inherit the land forever. They will be the branch I planted, my handiwork in which I take pride. I think we can see why this is one of the Haftarot of consolation. And while we're beginning to see this, these verses speak to a time of even greater fulfillment, the time when all of the end-time prophecies will be fulfilled, when according to Zechariah 12, verse 10, Israel will recognize Yeshua as the one that, pier that was pierced and mourn for him as though he were their only son, the fulfillment of the promise of the new covenant uh, in all its fullness found in uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 33, where it says, I will put my Torah within them and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. We have much to look forward to uh, as we see, uh, as we um, keep things in perspective and we, we look at things with God's eternal perspective. And of course, uh, we look forward to his soon return. And as the days grow darker, Number one, our light can shine even brighter. And number two, it only means our Messiah's return is drawing nigh. It could very well be on this upcoming Feast of Trumpets. It might be some other year we don't know. But we want to be ready. And we want to see what he is doing in our lives, in our community, uh, in the lives of our Jewish people. And he has called us to be salt and light, to be a blessing uh, to the world that right now is in fear in so many different ways that we can bring a message of hope and encouragement. And the primary message we bring is that even though we've rebelled against our creator, uh, even though we thought uh, that his revelation was foolishness, that we can turn back to him, that we can make Teshuvah. So, you know, you, up till now, your eyes you know, may have not really been able to see what the Lord has done in providing Messiah Yeshua as a sacrifice for your sins. Maybe your ears uh, haven't been able to hear, even though you've heard messages over and over, uh, the truth of God's love for you. And I would just encourage you to open your heart to him tonight. So I'd like to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, all you have to do to accept Messiah Yeshua's sacrifice on your behalf is just raise your hand and you can put it right back down. Is there anyone? If you're watching out on the, the television, uh, on the live stream, uh, and you make this decision, just contact Beth Hillel and, and let them know. Uh, I, saw, I saw the hand. Uh, was that a hand of praise? Was that a hand to receive the Lord? A hand of praise. All right. <clears throat> I just trust that the Lord is blessing tonight. Uh, in ways we can't even imagine. 
You know, it, it's all about what he is doing, not what um, uh, we're doing uh, other than uh, if we are serving him in accordance with his will. If you're, uh, as a believer out there, maybe you haven't understood the importance of uh, bringing the tithe, uh, not because we need to keep the lights on in the synagogue or pay the rabbi, but because we need to acknowledge the Lord as the one who provides every blessing. I'm not saying every problem will go away if we tithe, but I am saying that living based on kingdom principles begins with acknowledging the Lord as the source of our, our blessings. Or maybe you felt like you were far from him tonight, but you can make Teshuvah and turn back to him. He is standing there with open arms, and all you have to do is turn away from the way you're going and back, uh, and you will draw closer to him. Uh, <clears throat> or maybe you thought his instructions were only for the Jewish people or only for long ago, um, but he has called us all to be obedient to the least uh, of his uh, instructions uh, that we might receive his blessing. Perhaps he's shown you some other area to work on in your life. Will you commit to allowing him to turn around this area in your life tonight as I just ask you to join with me in agreement? Lord, we ask you to search our hearts in this season of Teshuvah as we desire to walk closer to you, to be more conformed to the image of your son. And we ask you to bless your people, Israel. We ask you to bless um, the uh, followers of Messiah in the land of Israel. We ask you to bless the followers of Messiah. Watch over and supernaturally protect them uh, in Afghanistan and any other uh, place where they are uh, suffering persecution. And Lord, we ask you to use us uh, to be light and salt uh, to a world that so desperately needs to understand what your unconditional love is all about. Lord, we thank you for the work you're doing in our lives and in the life of this congregation. And we just thank you that we can ask these things in the name of our Messiah, Yeshua. And everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you all. Thank you all for coming. And I'm going to turn it back over to Michael. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah, or how you can become part of our Bethlehel family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Nine, 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 nine.